1: The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at Patreon.com/slash FalloutLoreCast.
0: Robots Radio presents
1: the Fallout Lorecast. Yay! You know it's the show where we get together to explore the boundaries
0: of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Blah 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 blah. blah.
1: Hey! Sorry. Computer, that's my that's my line what what the heck what is wrong with my computer lately uh hey vault dwellers and wastelanders this is your host tom or robots and i'm sorry my recording bot seems to be acting up i don't know i don't know last last week it was being weird too and now it's just it just wants to talk a lot more i don't I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm going to have to open the thing up and take a look at it. Uh, Welcome back to the show. I am excited to go over the third iteration of our vault oddities. This week, we've got three more vaults that are just briefly mentioned with some very simple, very light explanations about what Is actually going on with them, and we're going to take a look at some of these this week, just like we did the last few weeks that we've talked about the different vaults. And then we're on to some of the other vaults from mostly Fallout 4, Fallout 3, some other some other the vaults that you're going to be more familiar with. I'm just kind of rambling here, so why don't we just dive right in? It's about time. Okay, so maybe one other thing before we dive in. First and foremost, thank you to. All of you who help support the show. I've been trying to get a bunch of messages in from our patrons in order to celebrate passing our $100 a month goal. And I've only gotten a few in so far. And this is the last time that I'm going to put a little note out for everybody. So if you are a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and you'd like to get a message on the show, please send it in this week by... Before the next show goes up, because I would love to highlight. Some of your messages. I've only gotten a few, and I thought maybe I'd have enough to do an entire episode of just messages and respond to them, but it looks like I will just kind of put a few of them in the next episode. So, either way is fine. If you guys aren't that interested in sending messages, that's totally cool. But if you would like your message on, on the show, then send it to me. Look for the link on patreon.com in your messages. And otherwise, if you have any questions, just let me know. So, let's dive in. ...to the vaults this week... ...starting with... ...vault 68. Vault 68... ...is only described... ...by one line of text. Of the 1,000... ...people who entered... ...there was only... ...one woman. Vault 69... ...strangely enough... ...the... ...you know... ...sex number... ...69 upside down six number was um, very similar Uh, of the 1000 people who entered, there was only one man. So this gets me thinking in many different directions. There are a few different things that we're dealing with in these situations. First of all, neither of these situations happen regularly in human society very often at all the closest thing that we can I guess pull from is what happens to cultures after a terrible incident of war where most of the men historically have gone off to war and many of them don't return and we end up with a culture that is primarily women a majority of the, the people who are left are women. And that happens every so often in many different cultures across the world throughout history. This is something that happens fairly regularly. Now, the opposite doesn't seem to happen as much where for some reason the women disappear and there's primarily a culture of men. The only example of that that I can think of is, And please write in if you have other examples, because I'd love to hear your thoughts and learn more about this. I tried to do a little bit of research, but couldn't couldn't find a whole lot Uh, tends to be in places like China, where the male child tends to be preferred over the female child. And that can lead to all sorts of things. First of all, in a place like China for a very long time, the law was that you couldn't have more than one child. So the combination of only being allowed to have one child and males being preferable meant that oftentimes whether it was legal or not, abortions would happen when, or, or after birth uh, children were gotten rid of at times if they were not what the parents expected. And in that case it was female. So you ended up with a society that was more and more, male-focused and not enough women. And each of those situations is different. So let's dive into each of those first from at least the understanding that I have. And again, if you have more information about this or if I do anything incorrect in, in noting what I recall about these situations, then please write in and let me know. In the situation where you have many women and not enough men, typically the women step up. And in a lot of those cultures, and we can only talk about the things that our societies and cultures have experienced from the past. And unfortunately, that means that most societies and cultures from the past had very stereotypical gender roles. We don't have a whole lot of examples of this kind of thing happening in a society where there's balance between genders because we don't have a whole lot of societies where there's balance between genders. Even today in the United States, genders are not treated Equally, we, we do not see a balance in that. And so traditionally, the women who were left would step up. They would take on roles that were traditionally not for women. They would fill in the gaps. They would take on different jobs. And many of the women would go without husbands. They would find ways to band together with other women and create other types of family groups and bring their children together and raise their children in more of these family groups. And what's interesting about this is that it is not that far afield from the way children are raised in many cultures anyway. In very many cultures, the raising of the children is left primarily to the women. And the men focus on the things the men want to focus on because they typically are male chauvinist type societies where if the men want to spend time with the children they can but they don't have to and oftentimes they're off doing the things they would rather be doing whether that is being the breadwinner or it is going down to the pub with their buddies and leaving the women children at home Uh, unfortunately that seems to be the way that a lot of this tends to happen so you end up with a culture that's not too far afield from a culture that already does have a male-female balance, because it's not uncommon in traditional cultures for women to band together, for mothers to become friends with other mothers who have children and to bring their children together regularly to play, or for women and their mothers the grandparents the grandmothers the grandfathers sometimes to spend more time with the children and extended families of many siblings brothers and sisters coming together so in that situation we already have a lot of examples of the way that actually plays out and it looks a lot like our modern day society on the other hand you have very little in the way of lots of men and too few women. In From what I understand, in examples like China, where you have too many men, not enough women, you end up with men who have a hard time finding women. Finding a woman becomes a limited resource. So you end up with aimlessness. You end up with a section of the culture who are men who are not successful or they, let's be more specific, they don't feel successful or handsome or powerful or whatever they deem is the reason why they can't attract a female. And so they're out to do something to make their lives better. And maybe that drives you to work harder. Maybe that drives you to Look better to to improve yourself, but many times and this is a real fact of human nature It takes us going through phases in our lives where we are looking for the quick answers rather than the long-term answers and we tend to focus more on the negative things the Things that get us some sort of emotional response immediately Uh, petty crime drugs, things like that, that that fill in those gaps, but don't actually lead to the long-term betterment of ourselves. And I have a feeling a vault full of a thousand, well, 999 men and one woman wouldn't be a very comfortable situation for most people. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Now, there is the nature of reproduction and what that one person who is different from everyone else from a standpoint of keeping the population going would be required to do. And I can only imagine that there would have to be some sort of legal procedure put in place for that person to be able to be used as a baby making machine, for lack of a better term. Uh, In the case of one woman, a woman can only become pregnant and have children so much. So that one woman could only reproduce so many children over so much time. And then those children would have to grow up before they become able to produce children. And I have a feeling that society would evolve very slowly. And the fact that there are so many men and one woman, I don't know that that society would last very long at all. On top of that, childbirth is a very dangerous and complex situation. And if that woman weren't to survive one of the first few childbirths, then that's that vault would eventually be doomed. There would be no way to continue on their, their lineage. Now the flip side of the vault with many women and one man is that, A man can impregnate many different women (laughs) over a very short period of time. And you'd probably end up with more of a situation that's similar to what people would experience raising a farm, where you end up with you only need the one stud in order to keep growing the size of the flock, if that makes sense. So I have a feeling the laws around that would be different as well. Now, would that mean that there would not be things like marriage for a while or that that person's uh, sperm would be given out for any of the women who wanted to have children to use and to be inseminated? Or would he be (laughs) bound up and... Uh, you know, I mean, the way these games go, sometimes they get kind of dark and maybe you end up with the male being a slave to the women who use him whenever they want him. Uh, you know, I, that could happen as well. Both of these situations could become very dark. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But both of the situations, if they were controlled correctly, could work out. I have a feeling that the many women in one man situation is much more likely to work out than the other It just seems like the other one is a little bit more doomed. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. These are, of course, very limited explanations for the way that these vaults would work. The one place that I'm still not really sure about is the long-term ramifications of either of these vaults. If either of them were to work out relatively peacefully and... We, look, we move forward a few generations. We go forward another 100, 200 years to the times of uh, many of these games. What would those vaults eventually be like? What would a society primarily run by women where women, for a very long time, because it would take a long time to reach uh, numbers of equality, what would that be like? A vault primarily run by men With only one woman, what would that be like? I have a feeling we understand more about what that might be like, and it's probably really dark, and it's probably not not so good for the women. But the other way around is particularly interesting. What do you think would happen? Now, we have one more vault, because we're doing these in lumps of three. Vault 70. And this one is probably the most difficult for me so far. To extrapolate what this would actually do. What would actually happen here. So here's the line that describes it. And again, all of these are from the Fallout Bible. And some of them were considered for Van Buren, which was going to be Fallout 3, if you recall. So this one is described as all jumpsuit extruders failed after six months. That's it. So what does that really mean? What is the purpose of the jumpsuits in the vaults? Originally in the game design for Fallout 1, the suits were blue and yellow because those were the two colors left in the color palette that were unused across the rest of the game. And they wanted to make the vaults distinct from the rest of the color color palette. So that's why we have blue and yellow vault suits. There's no other reason. That's it. Okay, so why does everybody wear a jumpsuit in a vault? I'm not sure I know the answer for this. Is it because that's just standard protocol? Why not wear other clothes? Other clothes are sometimes worn in vaults. You have lab coats and characters that are seen in jackets or, or other common clothes. But the vault suit seems to be the default outfit for Vault Dwellers. Is that to help them feel banded together? Is it like a uniform in the sense of um, something like a school that brings more similarities across the population and makes them feel closer together? Is it so that they can be identified out in the world as being from a specific place? That doesn't seem as beneficial and, and many of the vaults aren't supposed to open up. Do the vault suits kind of like the pit boy have some sort of special Use case, special ability. They, they don't seem to have special stats in the game. They tend to be just, you know, the piece of clothing you can wear underneath some of the other armor and that kind of thing. So I'm not sure exactly what that what that means. If if we expand this out and we assume that all jumpsuit extruders failed after six months actually means that they had no way to actually adequately produce clothing, new clothing then you would end up with a situation where they probably get very good at reusing old fabrics. So if that's the case, then does fashion look different in this vault? Do people end up wearing tablecloths as skirts and uh, drapes and bedsheets as suit jackets? How does this actually work? What does this look like? I don't know. I would have to imagine that they wouldn't go without clothing because one, that's socially odd. Most places don't make that jump. And two, it's not as comfortable. It's not as clean and it doesn't keep you as warm. And being in a vault all the time without any outdoor air circulation, just the circulation of the vault air, means that the vault was probably at a steady temperature most of the time. And if any of you have worked in an office situation where you walk in the office in the morning, the air conditioner's on. I mean, it's summertime right now. The air conditioner's on. It's set at like 72 degrees or something. And it feels nice and cool. It feels nice when you first walk in. But after sitting there for like three or four hours in the morning getting through your work... By the time you leave for lunch, you're cold because your body has basically been in this refrigerated situation where you've been leaking out heat from your body for three or four hours. And what used to feel comfortable when you came in with a nice warm body from outside now feels chilled and it feels nice to walk outside and be warmed up a little bit. So I can't imagine they would go without clothing unless they just absolutely had nothing else to To use, but I can't imagine that that's the case either, because it doesn't say that there was a lack of other clothing. It just says that jumpsuit extruders failed after six months. Now, outside of this issue, there is another note here. The note says that in 2062, and this vault is in Utah, many Mormon congregations came together to purchase places in Vault 70. The vault was opened in 2190 and its inhabitants founded the town of New Jerusalem. So, the plan was that this would also be filled mostly with Mormons and would survive 130 ish years into the future in order to eventually open and found a town. So, that tells me a few things. One, things don't really go wrong in this vault, the vault works out. Two, it's mostly Mormons and one of the things we know about Mormons is that they have a they have special undergarments that they need to wear. And if the vault suit extruders don't work, does that mean everyone runs around in their special Mormon undies? Is that what happens? I really don't know. I <laughs> again, I really don't know. Um just speculating on some of these options for what could happen so i'd love to hear your thoughts on this um next week we will be on to another topic and by the time we get back to vaults again we will be back to vaults with much more information and less speculation but as many of you guys have noted the speculation is part of the fun in playing a fallout game so i hope you've enjoyed that ride if you have any thoughts on any of these vaults i'm always interested to hear them so send me a note to falloutlorecast at gmail.com or at falloutlorecast on twitter and stay tuned for some other stuff including those of you who are patrons the extended version of the show at the end where we will find out what happens with our character hello there old chap. good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve
0: If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them!
1: Why don't we ask the newcomer? you support the news? So thanks for tuning in again, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders. I really do appreciate you guys hanging out. And this week, we have only one new review to speak of. And it comes from Dom Retina from the United States, who writes, If you love Fallout, you'll love this. As a Fallout content creator myself, I've been enjoying listening to this podcast very much, digging into what makes this world what it is, something I've always loved. But being able to do so when I'm not playing the game has been just as enjoyable thanks to this podcast. I look forward to more episodes to come. Well, thank you, Dom. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, If you'd like to leave a review, then please check out iTunes and drop a rating and a review in there, and it helps a ton. It helps new people find the show and and let them know what to expect, and I will read out your ratings and reviews on a future episode. Now, let's talk about the Patreon, because that is another way that you can help support the show, and patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I am changing things up a little bit. The Tier 4 Um, patrons will be getting an upgrade to their reward. What is this upgrade? Well, it, so typically the Tier 4, everyone who's Tier 4 or higher, gets together once a month at the end of the month, the last Monday night usually of the month, and we get together and we have a chat. And it's one of those times where we spend 30 minutes to an hour getting together, hanging out, talking and getting to know each other a little bit and having conversations about the Fallout world and the things that we really enjoy. And those conversations, along with the conversations I've been part of and watching and reading on the Discord, are so interesting. You guys are some of the coolest people. (laughs) I mean, I've put together this podcast and really it's just helped me find you guys who are having these really cool conversations. So what I want to do is highlight those conversations, the monthly conversations with our tier four patrons patrons and do so in a way where we actually record the conversation and I will post it up as an episode of the show. So all of you can enjoy the conversation, but if you would like to be part of the conversation, even for just one month, then all you have to do is subscribe or or upgrade your patron status to a tier four. And tier four is not cheap. It's $25 a month. So it's kind of a major commitment, but it's a you can do it as a one-time thing, and then you can go back down to a lower tier if you just want to be involved that month. Or, or you can keep subbing at that level. I would really appreciate the support. So whatever you want to do is totally fine. And this month, Emily G upgraded from a tier three to a tier four patron just for one month. And thank you so much, Emily. And maybe not for one month. I don't know. Maybe you'll stay at that, that level. Um, But um, Emily gave me a note saying that, uh, that they wanted to let one of the other patrons be able to jump in and chat on the upcoming episode. So, Um, You guys will hear more about that in the future because next Monday night we will be doing that recording. So if you're listening to this episode now and you'd like to get in on that chat, then you still have time before Monday night, Monday the 29th, I believe it is, to upgrade your patron status or to sign up as a tier four patron to get in the conversation. And there's going to be some basic rules, some basic requirements. No, you know, you can't say crazy things that will get us in trouble or (coughs) or anything like that. Everybody's expected to behave and be presentable on a, you know, on a radio type show, that kind of thing. But, uh, otherwise you're welcome to join the chat and be involved. And I would love to highlight some of the things that you guys have to say. So check that out. Patreon.com slash fallout Lorecast for more info on that. And we also have some other new patrons. Um, some level one patrons that are $1 a month and it takes getting to a level two for me to call the names on the show, but I still appreciate all of you who subscribe for even just $1 a month. Even at $1 a month, you get the extended version of each of the episodes with the choose your own adventure at the end. And you also get an ad free experience. And if any of you have signed up on the patron, patron on the patreon and you are not in the patreon discord and for some reason there's a disconnect between the patreon and the discord which are supposed to talk to each other but if you are not in the patreon only discord then shoot me a note on discord and i will be sure to upgrade your status just refer to what your name is on patreon because patreon because they don't always coincide so that would help me out a ton so other news on the Robots Radio Network, we have some more shows releasing and we're constantly growing and, and working on some new stuff. Um, the one I wanted to highlight this week is a very special episode that I think if you are enjoying the Fallout lore cast and you like some of the crazy humor of the Fallout games and you haven't checked out Chad, a Fallout 76 story yet, go check it out. The newest episode is amazing. I'm just going to put it that way. It's an hour long episode with something like 17 different voice actors, sound effects, a crazy story about a little girl who goes through the end of the world and comes out different. <laughs> Let's we'll just say that it's so good. So go check that out. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Um, Ken, who is a regular on Robots Roundtable, is doing a, an amazing job he's writing and producing all of this out of pocket and it is so good. So if, if you want to just go check that out, I would appreciate you saying, Hey, Robot sent me. We're here to hear the awesome, crazy story. Cause it, again, it's so good. Did I mention it was so good? It's so good. Also, uh, robots Roundtable will be streaming live on Sundays on Twitch and also on the YouTube channel and on Facebook and wherever else um, it's going to be, it's one of those shows that we record every week. We get together the different hosts from the different shows on the robots radio network. And we talk about the things we've been doing that week. And we, sometimes we go into really funny stuff and sometimes we have a very deep and meaningful discussion about the nature of working in the game industry or, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's always fun because the different hosts of the different shows are all really smart and interesting people in their own ways. So if you're not subscribed to that already, go ahead and look that up. Robots Roundtable. Subscribe to that. The newest episode just came out yesterday. And if you'd like to hang out with us live in chat, then you can do that as well at twitch.tv robotsradio And I've been trying to stream a little bit more, too. So you're probably going to see me in there usually in the evenings, uh, Eastern time, 9 p.m. after that. But, you know, maybe I'll pop up some other times as well. So that's what's going on in the network. And I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else I have to tell you guys, although I always get to the end of the episode and then button it up and go oh yeah I should have said this thing because I didn't think of it ahead of time but thank you all for tuning in I really do appreciate you hanging out every week and all the wonderful nice things you say all the time I will talk to you guys again next week and until then be safe and try to stay in vaults with even populations because it's probably just better for everybody alright talk to you again later bye thanks for listening to the fallout lorecast The man's eyes got bigger somehow his eyes got bigger and he s- just stood there staring at this death claw. and you didn't say anything you know better than to shout out but your th- your brain is screaming to you are you crazy have you not seen one of these things before you immediately think to duck behind the wall get out of the vision of this deathclaw but clearly this guy doesn't know what to do and he's scared out of his mind so you signal to him you flail your arms in the air and you you wave to him and eventually you get his attention and you beckon him with your arms and whisper come over here get get in cover take cover hide And he makes his way over and the two of you huddle in the corner of this little burnt-out building and you hear this death claw, mosey on by, shaking the ground as it walks by the building. You can tell it hasn't seen you because, if it had, you'd probably not still be here. The man looks at you and says, "What do we? What do we do?" And you go, "Shh, quiet." the deathclaw stops right outside that window and makes a strange grunting sound. And the air wafts over you and you can smell what the deathclaw left right there outside your window. You hold your nose. Try not to vomit. The deathclaw... Stands up and continues on its way. You both take a sigh of relief as the Deathclaw gets off in the distance. And it's hard to breathe. That is the stinkiest pile of Deathclaw dung you've ever seen. And when you stand back up and look out the window, you can see something in that pile blinking. 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 You look at your Pip-Boy and the readout tells you that your wife is right here. What do you do?